Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Tell the person next to you and say, it's a great day. It's a great day. Not only was I able to watch my son Harrison's uh, game of footy for the first time this season. Usually I'm not able to get there. I was able to watch him play three quarters. He did kick a goal. Uh, it wasn't his, his first goal for the season, but uh, it was the first goal that I've seen. And then I just got a text from my wife. He kicked two more goals in the last quarter. <laughs> so he, when I left, the shackles were off. No pressure anymore. <laughs> and he went for it. And so not only is it a great day because I got to watch my son play footy, it's a great day because I, I get to be here with you, worshipping our great God together at C3QB and I love this place and uh, I'm a little jealous that my wife Karen has already been here twice this year and this is my first time this year. What is going on? Uh, My wife is a a very uh, talented communicator so I'm sure you were blessed. Uh, Although our focus is, is Hepburn Heights as a location, I love this place. I can't help but get emotional when we worship during praise and worship, it doesn't matter who's up there, who's leading us. I just sense the presence of God every time I come into this place. And, and God's into filling, not buildings, he's into filling people. And so it's you that bring that presence of the Holy Spirit as you gather every single Sunday. And that's why it's so important that we gather together. And so I love this location. I love the Book It in Bali. Uh, I've, I've been able to visit there once. Uh, not a great fan of Bali, but I love the church there. And I also love going and visiting our location up in the Pilbara C3 Jigalong. And, and Pastor Steve has alluded to the fact that we've just come back from a, a Pilbara trip. And who'd li- who'd like a little bit of an update on, on, the, on the trip before we receive our Beyond Offering for this month? Well, we took a, a team of 17 people, 11 uh, adults and six children, and, and they were just an amazing, wonderful team uh, of servant-hearted, humble people who were just willing to do whatever, and I can sense that the photos are starting to roll now because you are not listening to me. You are watching the photos and looking at the photos, and that's okay. Uh, and so I, I love the fact that every person that's come on a trip over the last eight years has had carried that heartbeat of, of humility and servanthood. And we have two wonderful people here on the front row who were on our very first Pilbara trip up to Nullagine. We have Joel who led uh, praise and worship today. He was also on the team. We had an absolute ball. Joel was the one who talked us into driving home via the coast road rather than back through the middle, which added an extra five or six hours to the travel. <laughs> and then we ran into roadworks about an hour. Anyway, I don't want to go into that. That's, that's, that's a long, long time ago. Anyway, we, we, had, we had 17 people come on this team and the focus of our trip was based on Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, that where, where Paul talks to the Gentiles. He talks to you and I, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Uh, and he says, you are no longer slaves and foreigners, but you along with all of God's people are citizens of heaven. You are part of God's family. And God is making you a home, a temple, a dwelling place for his presence to reside and then to flow. And so we wanted to 
communicate this sense to the, the people up in the Pilbara, up in Jigalong, that they belong, that they're a part of a family, that they don't have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops, they don't have to memorize a certain amount of the Bible to actually belong. And so a part of coming out of that scripture, we, we had two endeavors, two focuses. And one was we wanted to make up these beautiful, gorgeous gift hampers. Is there photos up there of the gift hampers? And so we made 20 of these incredible gift hampers and we handed them out. We gave them out to 20 families. We went and visited them and, and the leaders of C3 Jigalong, they're the ones that had these hampers and they're the ones that delivered their hampers and, and prayed for the people that we gave these hampers to. And, and it was amazing to see the look on these people's faces. What? what? Why? Why are you doing this? And we were basically saying, because you are loved and because you belong. And it was amazing to see this family that I'd never, I've been up to Jigalong four or five times and I'd never seen this family before. It's not a massive community. Anyway, we gave this, this we delivered this hamper to this, commun, uh, to this family. And for the, the rest of the time that we were up there, every single meeting, gathering, youth concert, everything that we held, that family was at it. The family was at everything. It was amazing how a gift opened the door for people to feel like they are welcome and they are accepted. And the second thing we did was T-shirts. And so we, uh, we got Pastor Michaela Sonique. She made uh, these incredible designs. And there was, there was a C3 jig along and there was Grace Upon Grace and there was a We Are Better Together. And, and so we had all these different designs that all the, all the community could put could could put on to make a t-shirt and it's amazing how out of all of these designs the majority of the people chose c3 jigalong um, logo to actually put on their t-shirt and so these are people that don't even belong to the church they don't even go a, a part of c3 jigalong but they're walking around the community so so proud of wearing this t-shirt that has c3 i mean they don't they don't know what it means but they they're wearing there's this sense of identity uh, with the C3 Jigalong Church. And so they're two really important endeavours that we partook in when we were up there. We also ran leadership training uh, where there was a great time of impartation for the leaders, encouragement for the leaders. I was able to prophesy over the, the leaders, AG and Maria, keep them in your prayers. They need, they need your prayer. Uh, the, the, they would be people that would rise up, raise up the next generation that would bring revival into the Pilbara. And so they were really encouraged during that time. We ran a youth night which was a lot of fun. Uh, we ran two church services, uh, which was powerful. Uh, we, uh, one of the ladies up there has actually translated How Great Is Our God into Maru. And so we sang, and, and so uh, hopefully we're going to get them down here for beyond, and we're going to be able to sing. So sing How Great Is Our God in English, and then move into Sing It in Maru, and it just... Oh, just gets you. It really does get you as you're singing. And I did, I did remember some of the words, but I, I won't. I won't. <laughs> it's better for you if I don't. And so there's some great decisions. We were also able to pray for Sonia and, and Nolene. I think there's a photo up there. They're from Cotton Creek, which is another three and a half hours inland from Jigalong. You think Jigalong's remote? This is even more remote. It's called Cotton Creek. They had two resident uh, domesticated camels. They just hang around the community. Um, I've, uh, we went in, in uh, February and we got to meet the camels and we got to meet the people in the community. Unfortunately, since then, one of the camels has passed away. R.I.P. Camel. 
but we, they, they came, Nolene and, and, uh, and Sonia, uh, they're people that really have this passion to start a, a gathering, to start church in Cotton Creek. And so they came to Jigalong and we were able to pray for them and encourage them and really stir them up. We're going to resource them. We, we bought them a, a, a guitar for one of the kids who plays guitar to be able to start leading some worship moments. We're going to provide them re- with resources to be able to help them run a church gathering. And there is a real hunger in that place to meet together to worship God and to learn his word and so that was really encouraging for us to be able to do that and then we, we've we made some strategic connections with people in Newman as well as Jigalong the army was there the army was there for six months they're doing some great endeavors in Jigalong but we we're able to come alongside these guys and and uh, talk about how we can start some micro businesses in Jigalong because this next generation they wake up each day and they don't have purpose and so what happens when you're sitting on your hands doing nothing you get into trouble and this is what happens and it's just this cycle that continues to take place and and they end up leaving Jigalong and going into Jigalong which is a dry community going into Newman which is a non-dry community Newman's like the Babylon of that area where they just go and get into trouble and so we want to provide a sense of purpose that they wake up each day and and there's this sense of I'm doing something that's meaningful and so we're looking into some various uh, micro enterprises that we can help kickstart into the community for this next generation to rise up and really get that sense of purpose. And so we've made some strategic connections with BHP and the Army and we're looking to be able to launch something later on this year. And so watch this space. You're the first to hear about this. I, didn't me- I haven't mentioned this to Hepburn Heights yet. And so it's... Re- hey! And so... All of this is possible because of your giving, because of your praying, and because of your going through beyond. I love how beyond, we go beyond, is such an important part of who we are. It's in the DNA of who we are as a church. One church across our four, soon to be five locations. Beyond, which is our local, regional and global mission efforts, is such a key part of who we are. And so thank you. Everything we were able to do up there, everything that we're going to continue to do up there is because of your commitment, because of your lean in. How cool is it that people in QB get to play a part in what's happening in the Pilbara, what's happening in Bali, what's happening all around the world? It's, it's an incredible privilege. It's also an incredible responsibility. And so thank you so much. You guys are, are incredible. Let's continue to fulfill that, that faith commitment that we made last August. There's a brand new Beyond Year rolling around in a couple of months. And so uh, before, before we receive the, the Beyond offering, I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that your heart is for others. Your heart is to reach out. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to stir in us, Lord, a heart that is looking out, a heart that is looking to others. And so, Lord, I thank you that we can make a difference with our praying, with our going, and also with our giving. And so thank you for every commitment made. I pray, Lord, that you would make a way for us to be able to fulfill our beyond commitment for the rest of this year. 
And Lord, we thank you for your blessing flowing into our world, flowing into this church and through into the community around it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. Ushers, you can come and receive this morning's Beyond Offering. The title of my message this morning is Above All Else. Proverbs 4 23 says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now Solomon, the author of the majority of Proverbs, he knew a thing or two about the need to guard our hearts as human beings. His life and his devotion to God resembled a roller coaster, the ups and the downs. And some of us can probably relate to that in our own faith journey one of maybe fits and starts, one of maybe huge mountaintop experiences and then desperate valley moments. And this is symptomatic of the battle that rages in our hearts as human beings. Our hearts are sick. We know that there's this void in our hearts. And so many times in our lives we reach out to try and fulfill that void, fill that void to whatever will temporarily placate it. Our hearts yearn for longing, eternal fulfillment and fullness. We have this sense that there is more. There is more. But so often our hearts ache from wounds, from hurt, from being filled with the wrong type of stuff. It's a battle, isn't it? It's a battle. There's a battle for our hearts, and Solomon knew it so well. Hence the use of his word, guard. To guard one's heart. It brings up so many different images, doesn't it? So many ideas. We can think of a guard dog like Brutus, protecting property or people. Is he a good guard dog? Is he? he is? It's too friendly, isn't he? A guard dog protecting people or or places. We can think of the guards at Buckingham Palace in London protecting the royal family. We can think of a mouth guard to protect the teeth. We can think of a guard in basketball protecting the ring. There's probably many other thoughts that, that we can think of, many other images that we could conjure as we think of what it means to guard. But we can a lot of the times think of to guard as to be on the defense, to be on the back foot, to be waiting for an attack and then reacting. But I've got a couple of different thoughts on this this morning. A guard does more than keep the unwanted out. A guard makes sure the wanted gets in. A guard dog allows, hopefully, his or her owners into the property. A guard at Buckingham Palace recognises the right people to come into the palace and gives them access. And sometimes we have this idea that to guard our hearts means nothing gets in. No one, not God, not our loved ones, nothing. And so we, we keep it locked up. And look, some of us have had experiences in our life in the past that makes this approach understandable. But God designed our hearts not to be closed up, not to be filled with nothing, but to be filled with love, to be filled with God, to be filled with meaning and purpose, to be open, to be alive, to be growing. And God welcomes us to be close to Him so that our hearts become what they were designed to become. Here's a second thought. 
a guard can also be a protective, preventative measure. A guard has been pre-thought and pre-planned. A mouth guard is a front-footed approach to maintain intact teeth. You don't put a mouth guard in once your teeth are broken. That's silly. You put a mouth guard in to prevent that from happening in the first place. And so often we can get, we can get stuck expending so much energy reacting reacting to attacks on our hearts rather than intentionally pursuing preventative and strengthening measures that can reinforce the guards around our heart. Now, AJ, can I have my props? Thank you. Get on your bready. Three of, three of the five members of the Gould family have asthma. And uh, hospital visits and asthma plans have punctuated the last 10 years. Generally, here's how it goes. One of the three gets sick. They get a cold. They get a flu. That brings on and leads to asthmatic symptoms. The symptoms are then treated with a blue Ventolin or puffer. Six sprays, four breaths each spray for every three or four hours, and hopefully that's going to help. Ventolin is easy to get. It can be bought over the counter you don't need a prescription and is used in reaction to asthmatic symptoms. Now, there is another puffer called a preventer. It's orange. It's smaller. It's cute. It's harder to get. You need a prescription for, from the GP for this. It's called a preventer because unlike a Ventolin that treats the symptoms once they flare up, this, if it's regularly used, it can prevent the symptoms from flaring up and gradually eliminates asthma altogether. Two sprays, four breaths each day. Do you think that I can get any of the aforementioned three or five members of the Gould family to take one of these every day? Absolutely not. Does my head in. Why can I not? Get them to regularly take that every day. Well, number one, it takes more effort to get your hands on it. You need a prescription. And also, no one wants to do something every day. No one wants to do something on a regular basis. That, that means you have to create a habit. You have to have a lifestyle, and they're hard to create. The other thing is, when you're feeling fine, when you're feeling okay, when you don't have flu symptoms coming on, you're not taking flu tablets, are you? So when someone's breathing fine and not feeling like they've got asthma, no one wants to take any medication for it. This can relate to the health and guarding of our hearts. When things are going fine, we can have the tendency to live our lives in the vicinity of God, to have moments with Him, yet struggling to allow Him to have full access to our heart. And when things do go bad, when we have some challenges in our life, we go running full bore into his presence to treat the symptoms again. We can be in danger of people like uh, in Isaiah that, that God spoke about in Isaiah 29:13. The Lord says, "These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules. They have been 
taught. We can temporarily treat the symptoms, yet our hearts will remain sick, in pain, crying out for true, meaningful, long-term healing and fulfillment. Or, there's a big or, or we can get on the offense. We can forge a lifestyle that is preventative. We can go after the good stuff that fills our hearts that will bring complete healing and fullness of life. Who wants to do that? I want to be a type of person who does that. Again, though, we face challenges. We face challenges in guarding our hearts by searching and finding the right stuff to come in and fill it because the right stuff seems to be harder to distinguish from the not-so-right stuff this day and age. Lies are dressed up as truth. Lust can look like love. Feelings of love can be mistaken for a commitment of love. Knowledge can give the illusion of wisdom. And the good in our world can look like God. Theologian Soren Kierkegaard wrote, It is the normal state of the human heart to try to build its identity around something besides God. And so we can take good things. I'm not talking about grievous sin. We can take good things in life. We can take family and work, recreation, our houses, our stuff. And there can be a pull to make these good things into the ultimate thing and to make them our God and to believe that they can actually fill and fulfill and heal our hearts and we can get consumed by them. We just bought a house, my wife and I, after eight years of renting and it's awesome. It's brilliant, but it's amazing how consuming in the brain it can get. I'm on my prayer walk at times, and I'm praying around Woodvale, which is our new suburb, and I'm loving Woodvale, and I'm praying, and I'm, 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 I'm walking with my God, my Savior, my Lord. His presence is all over me, and then I can have a moment where in the midst of that, oh, we need to do the tiling in our house oh, that needs to be fixed. Oh, the gutters need to be cleaned out in the house. I'm like, what? The force is strong with the house. The good thing that can, be, that, that, that can try to become the ultimate thing in our worlds. Our houses were never meant to be the main pursuit of our hearts. Bricks and mortar can't heal. They can't fill, they can't fulfill a human heart. Our work, our careers, our dreams can't. Our hobbies, our stuff, even our families. They were not designed to be the main desire of our heart because when we set them up to be that, they can, they crumble under the weight of expectation. They weren't designed to fulfill our hearts the way God can. N.T. Wright in his book, Simply Christian, writes, When you give God your total worship, you discover more of what it means to be fully alive. Conversely, when you give that same total worship to anything or anyone else, you shrink as a human being. You're less of a human being than you were to begin with. That is the price of idolatry. Some somber words, N.T. Wright. Thanks for that. Here's the great news. The great news is there is another way. The great news is there is a true solution. There is a true remedy. There is a real, lasting and designed love that can and will heal. 
will fill, will fulfill and strengthen our hearts. A real and growing relationship with the creator and sustainer of life himself, the one true and holy God. He is the solution. He is the solution. When he is the true desire of our hearts, the true pursuit of our hearts, learning how to guard our hearts, to go after and attract the right stuff and keep the wrong stuff out becomes a much more achievable goal. Now our house, our new house, I'm going to talk about my house again. It has a pool. And a part of the pool, it also has a creepy crawly. And uh, uh, talking to mates who have pools in their houses, I remember when I, you know, talking to some of them saying, yeah, I just bought a house. And they're like, that is so awesome. That is amazing. That is great. And I'm like, yeah, it has a pool. And they're, they're like apologetically tapping me on the shoulder. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because the greatness of the pool is sometimes outweighed by the crapness of the pool, of how much stuff needs to be done with the pool. So we did our final inspection sorry, sorry, of the house before we bought it. And everything's working fine. Turn the pool on, pool's working fine. Turn the creepy crawly on, creepy crawly's working fine. The day we moved in, creepy crawly stopped working. Of course it did. And so some of my mates who were helping me move, they've all got pools. And they're like, ah, oh, we'll, we'll fix it. And so we tried everything. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Yes, I've tried that. <laughs> We're pulling the creepy crawly apart, trying to get the suction right, trying everything. Me and my, my, my six mates who are pool owners, but they're amateurs when it comes to pools. And so nothing worked. And so what did I do? And I was warned not to do this. Don't go to the pool guy. He will rort you. He will charge you. Isn't any pool guys here? Uh, he will charge you so much. But I'm like, but he's the expert of the pool. He's the expert of the creepy crawly. Nothing you've done has helped me. And so I've gone to the pool guy, Gary. Call him Gazza. Any, any Garys here? Love that name. So I went to Gazza and I said, dude, this is what's wrong. And he said, here, you need, to, um, you need a new diaphragm. It's going to cost you 25 bucks, which is cheap. And so I put this new diaphragm into the creepy crawly. It's worked brilliantly ever since. Brilliantly ever since. Go to the expert. Who's the expert of your heart? It's God. He knows your heart more than anybody, more than anything. Other things other people might promise, might say that they are experts of your heart, might guarantee fulfillment of your heart, but they will not be able to perform. Only God is the expert of our hearts. To unlock the true meaning of who we are as human beings, the only true source is God. And guess what? We don't have to twist his arm. We don't have to jump through hoops. We don't have to do all of these things to try to perform, to achieve him coming close. We simply invite him near. That's ridiculous. That the God of the universe 
would so willingly, would so desire to come near a frail and vulnerable human being. But he does. He demonstrated it emphatically as Pastor Steve has alluded to on the cross and through the grave. He wants to come near. And so what do we do as a church community with our corporate gatherings? What do we do as a church community uh, in our connect groups? What do we do uh, in different uh, programs in our church to help us to pursue God with all our hearts, to help provide opportunities where God can come in? There's a bunch of great things that we do in the life of the church to help do that. We have times in our corporate gatherings of singing, praise and worship. We have moments of prayer, of reading the Bible, opportunities to give our tithes and offerings, which does so much to our hearts, of hearing and and responding to Bible-based preaching, of using our gifts and, and volunteering on a team, hanging out as a community and having burgers. Hey, I'm looking forward to that building relationships. All of these elements can be helpful to build this lifestyle of pursuing God every week, of pursuing God and allowing Him to come, the expert of our hearts, to come in and continue to do a great work, restore and heal and strengthen our hearts. Church gatherings on a Sunday, what we're doing right now, They are to fuel our personal devotion to God during the week. And our ongoing devotion to God throughout the week is to fuel our church gatherings on a Sunday. It's a a beautiful cycle. It's not one or the other. And when we gather together and we have moments of corporate praise and worship, they can be incredible catalysts of a lifestyle of praise and worship that fuels more moments of praise and worship. And I firmly believe that a key distinctive of C3, of C3QB and our other locations is this lifestyle of vibrant praise and worship to God. You and I are seekers of God. We are pursuers of His face. We are people who praise, who worship throughout every season because God is worthy. We do this alone, we do this in our cars, we do this in our homes, we do this with our families and we do this as we join together as a church community. But the question has to be asked. Have you ever asked this question? Wait for it. Why do we sing praise and worship for 15 to 20 minutes each corporate gathering? Why does it matter? Why are we singing? My voice isn't that great. But it seems that to sing, to, to give praise and worship, but also to sing praise and worship to God was a regular occurrence for the people of God in the Old Testament. In Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 23.30, the Levites who were, were, were dedicated to help with the temple, with God's temple, it says this about them. Each morning and evening they stood before the Lord to sing songs of thanks and praise to Him. In my favorite psalm, Psalm 63, King David, he's on the run from his son Absalom. He's tired and he's hungry and he's in a cave. He turns his focus to God and he repeatedly praises him. And he commits to never stopping singing songs of joy. 
The psalmist in Psalm 96, 1 declared that it's in the very nature of all of creation to want to express praise and worship to God. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. But what's the big deal with singing? Why are we to do it together? Well, it seems that what set the early Christians apart from other religions in the Roman Empire was that they were singers and worshippers of God. Larry Hurtado, in his book, Destroyer of the Gods, writes, Even the practice of assembling weekly for corporate worship, which seems to go back into early first century circles, was unusual amongst other religious groups of the time. It was and it continues to be a unique and unusual practice among church communities today. And so why? Why? What is it about praise? What is it about worship? Worship means to literally acknowledge the worth of something or someone. Praise is similar. Praise is an expression of admiration of something or someone. Praise and worship, it's an acknowledgement. It's an expression. It's an act And rather that acknowledgement, that expression, that act be confined only to our rational minds, there's something about music, there's something about song that connects to the beauty and to the mystery of what cannot be seen or analysed and involves all of us, body, mind and spirit. So the whole point of praise and worship is to get to our hearts. It's to bring out that emotion and that feeling and and that meaning that would take over the busyness and the clutter of life. Music does that. It moves us, doesn't it? It's powerful. Has anyone seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? That, That last scene, that live aid scene at Wembley. It took my breath away. I went with my dad, who's a massive Queen fan, and we're sitting in the, in the movies and we're in the, in the midst of that scene, of that music playing and looking at each other and there's tears rolling down our heart. I'm not crying. No, you're, you're, you're crying. No, I'm not crying. <laughs> music and singing evokes that emotion. But where praise and worship stands apart from other music, is that whilst normal music essentially is still about us, think about Lorv, the, the band or the singer, one of his songs, I like me better when I'm with you. There's a lot of eyes in that, in that song where praise and worship stands apart from other music. Music is about us. Praise and worship takes our eyes off us and turns our eyes to God. To see him in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the challenge, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering, as we develop a lifestyle of singing praise and worship to God, we connect with him in ways that other things can't. As we take our eyes off what is happening in our worlds, as we express our praise and worship towards God in our corporate gatherings. This is going to spill over into everyday life. This is going to have a a powerful effect on the health of our hearts. As you and I open our hearts to sing genuine praise and worship to God, to our Savior, to our Redeemer, to the one who's gone before us, to the one who's given us victory. As we do this, we're going to do that. We're going to strengthen the guarding of our hearts because we won't be consumed by ourselves anymore. Our complaining our cynicism, 
our criticism. We're all guilty of that at times. That offense that we've carried at times, that we haven't let go of, those things will make way for hope and love and true joy. Think about this. Complaining isn't really a great welcome mat for the presence of God, right? God's not looking around and, and oh, there's a critical person. I think I might go and fill him with my presence or her. <laughs> but when we have this openness of God, the complaining and the hassles and the offense and the criticism and being critical, I'm going to drop that act because God, I know that that doesn't attract your presence. I know that what attracts your presence is faith. And even if there's just a skerrick, even if there's just a mustard seed of faith, I'm going to use that faith to not look at myself and see what I can achieve, but I'm going to go, God, can you come? Can you come and shift that? Can you come and bring meaning and purpose? Can you come and fill me with that love? Can you come and give me peace in that moment? This is why we sing. This is why we worship. This is why we praise, because it can shift something. It can move our hearts to see Him. And a lifestyle in praise and worship it also makes us more like him. What you worship, you become like. You become what you worship. You become what you focus your attention on. And as we focus our attention on God through a lifestyle of praise and worship, we become more like him. I want to be more like God. My wife wants me to be more like God. My kids want me to be more like God. The people I work with want me to be more like God. I need to be more like God. Praise and worship opens that whole possibility up. It's in our DNA to be worshippers of Him. It's a distinctive of the people of God throughout history to sing praise and worship to Him that would open, fill, fulfill, heal hearts. Band, why don't you come? Can I tell you that over the years it's been a bit of a journey for me, this, this singing praise and worship gig. I'm sure many people might be able to relate to some of these thoughts. I've been the guy who stood and watched everyone else singing praise and worship, seeing them get into it and go for it and think, what's going on? These guys are crazy. What are they connecting with that I'm, I can't see? I've been the guy, and Pastor Nicole can attest to this, she was in the same meeting. I've been the guy who in a pastor's team meeting years ago asked, why don't we cut the singing out of the service so we can hear more preaching? <laughs> I've been the guy who has overanalyzed every word of the songs and picked out the theological issues with them. I've been critical. I've criticized. Or I'd only get into the songs that I liked. I'd only worship God if I liked the songs. I've been the guy who's questioned whether the team on stage leading us are really worshipping or are they just performing. But if you know these people, you know that's not the case. I've been the guy who's been too scared to lift my hands or to express myself during praise and worship because of a deep fear of what other people would think. And I battled that for years. I've been the guy who finally stepped out of my comfort zone 
and I'd put my hands up as an act of faith, but only during the choruses. <laughs> I'd time it. <laughs> Clapping, and then the choruses, come on, hands up. Chorus would finish, back to the verses. <laughs> I'm now the guy who looks forward to every single moment that I can gather with you and sing praise and worship to our God. As much as the preaching, I'm regularly moved to tears, overwhelmed by His presence. It's a journey. But what's at the end of the journey, what's a key part of that journey is that freedom can come. You see, I encountered a freedom. So much of what I said and the journey that I was on was about me. It was about me focusing on myself and what I was doing. But a freedom came as I continued just to push in and press in and give God an opportunity. A freedom came when I was able to express myself however I was led to in the moment. And do you know how wonderful that is? It's special. It means I'm not just going through the motions. It means everything, every opportunity, every praise and worship moment is different. Because God shows me something of who He is that I hadn't seen before. And freedom's available today. And it's not all about the feeling. And my praise and worship moments are, aren't all pure, ecstatic encounter with Him. Sometimes it's try. Sometimes it's hard going. And that's where I engage faith. That's where I make a decision, intentional decision. This is good for me. And he's worthy. It doesn't matter whether I'm feeling heaps or I'm feeling stuff all. The reality is he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. He's God. He's God. He's love. He's the answer. He's what your heart is craving for. He's what this... He's what this world needs, man. Oh, more than anything. And we can be a part of that. But it starts in us. It starts as we continue this journey of freedom as people who have a lifestyle of giving praise and worship to our God. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give. 